Broadcasting from the Bet MGM studio, it's time for Inside the Jets. Brought to you by EY, building a better world. Now, here's Bart Scott and Dan Grossa. And welcome into another edition of Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. I'm Dan Grossa, that's former New York Jets linebacker, Bart Scott and Bart, here we are again, and unfortunately talking about another Jets loss, 30-10 to 10 on Sunday out of MetLife Stadium against the Arizona Cardinals. They're 0-5 now for the first time since 1996, which is a heck of a long time ago, but when you think about this game and how it unfolded, Jets score a touchdown there in the third quarter. They cut it to 17-10, so it's a one-score game, still very much in the football game, but then that defense gets on the field, and unfortunately Arizona is able to drive it down the length of the field convert a big fourth and one on that sequence, big play in the game. They go up 24-10, and that was really all she wrote. Well, and that's what we're not accustomed to. Uh, we, last year we saw this defense be able to step up in the moments, and now they aren't able to respond in situational football, right? When we knew that Arizona knew they had to respond because even as bad as the Jets had played, you know, plays not made, they're in a position to potentially lose this game late. You know, so you saw them go down and respond, make the plays that they need to make, and unfortunately the Jets aren't able to come up with a play. And you need players to step up and say, who can make a play? You know, it's one thing to make a tackle. It's another thing to be an impact player. And the Jets really just haven't been able to take that next step. I mean, unfortunately, you know, we have a, a rookie fresh off uh, – you know, fresh off the practice squad, we're asking him to, to, to guard arguably. Yeah, we, we're asking him to to check arguably the best receiver in the game right now by himself. That's 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 a tough duty for Hopkins, anybody, yeah. let, let alone someone who, you know, is fresh off the practice squad. And it's just one of those things. Um, it's a lot of lessons to be learned. And sometimes you can't measure the incremental success that a team is having because the, re, the end result isn't there. But I saw a lot of things that I was inspired uh, by that gave me pause to say, you know what? What was this look like with everybody back, right? And it's one of yeah. those things. And that's the hard part, you know, you know, when you think about it. How do you really evaluate some of these players when you don't have the array of the weapons that was promised to them? You don't have the, the players that they need. Now, listen, everybody's dealing with injuries. But, you know, um, it's hard when you don't have your, you know, your number one receiver, your number two receiver, your number three receiver just comes back, and you haven't got the productivity that you expected out of your tight end Le'Veon Bell's freshly coming back trying to figure it out, and you don't have your left tackle. I thought Joe did a great um, great job in, in having pocket awareness, not taking bad plays, not taking bad sacks, getting rid of the football um, instead of holding on to it and burping the baby and potentially setting itself up to, to have a penalty. Um, but at the end of the day, that wasn't enough, and you have to be able to put points on the board. But on the flip side, the defense – goal and every defensive goal is to keep the team under 17 points. The Jets haven't been able to do that. You got to get off the field on third down and on the flip side, you got to convert third down. Right. Yeah, and they've had some problems there in short yardage and they had problems yesterday when it comes to the short yardage. And let me say something about that, right? Yeah. Because, you know, I know that, that Gase is taking a lot of criticism about those plays. Why do you run outside? Why do you run? You know, those are, are really solid plays that I was successful with in uh, every team that I was part of. Really what that was is a fullback trap. And the other one was a play in a counter off the fullback trap because once you run a fullback trap and they stop that, but if you would have got that, and even if, when you didn't get it, the dive pitch is basically the counter to the fullback trap. So you right. fake the fullback trap and it's a reverse pivot out and you, and you pitch it outside and hope that your guy can beat them to the corner. 
right? You know, what, what happened was, you know, West Coast really isn't a fullback. So he doesn't understand how to make that jump cut. He had his head down. And he was just trying to make sure that he goes Trying hard. to bulldoze his right. way ahead. Bulldoze, yeah. but you can't bulldoze 300-pound 300 300 men. And then when they're blocking a 300-pound man, that makes it 600 pounds. You have to make that subtle jump cut and find the bubble. He's not used to doing that. That's something I'm sure they've gone over in short yardage goal line. But when you do that against your team, you're going to be able to get the movement because it's not going to be the same amount of resistance as somebody that's going to be coming off like it's the most pivotal player of the game because we protect each other in practice. So it was a false sense of security. But that's a play that I would call, if you're in that situation again, call that play again and again because for years, for decades, that play has been one of the hardest plays to stop. That's basically a fullback sneak. Right. Well, I mean, and if you think about it, too, if you convert those, then nobody's sitting here second-guessing the call or anything like that. It's a yard. You know, and the old saying is in the NFL, you don't deserve to win a game if you can't make a yard, for example. Like we saw with Minnesota last night, right? They tried to win the game fourth and inches, couldn't make it. You saw Russell Wilson come down the field. We'll talk about that later here. But, you know, another key component, I think, in this game, and this is something that hurt the Jets last week in the game against the Denver Broncos – Trips to the red zone and converting. You know, field goals are great. Sam Ficken's having a great year. But to win games in the NFL, got to score points, got to put in the end zone. Three trips into the red zone yesterday, Bart, they scored 10 points. And really the disappointing one to me was defense forces a turnover. Neville Hewitt, tip pass. Avery gets the interception. They return it down to the 10-yard line. You're starting at the 10, and they couldn't punch it into the end zone there. These are empty trips that for a team like the Jets, who, as you said, not at full strength right now, you got to be able to cash in on those. Yeah, you have to. I mean, you talk about, you know, getting three points, that's good. But if they go down and score a touchdown, then that's a 10-point swing. Yep. And those are the things. Those are the hidden yardage and the hidden points as well. You know, I thought they didn't do a good enough job in being able to fill some of these punts, some of these kickoffs to be able – those are hidden yardage. When you let a punt or you let a kickoff hit the ground and it rolls – that, that, that's the hidden yardage. That's the difference between, you know, starting from inside the 20 and starting on the plus side of the 20 and being able to, to set up, you know, 20 yards and you, you're saying, hey, and that's been a big range. theme like all year, right? I mean, what are five games in here, when you think about offense, their starting field position has not been it's very horrible. good like all year. It's horrible, and, and you have to take accountability on that. You know, you have to have the confidence. You have to understand. You got to be a, a, a bit of a, of a gambler back there because you're, you're trusting, you're blindly trusting your teammates to block for you. But on a kickoff, it's no excuse. Like, when you see a sky kick, you have to gauge the, the depth of the, of the kick. And, you know, they kick like a bit of a sky kick and it came short. But if you catch that, you're catching it with momentum. And what happens is when you, when you, when you catch a, 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 a kickoff early, before guys get to the 20, that's when they start to come towards the ball. Before that, they're told to run straight. Mm-hmm. So if you catch it at, say, like the 10, and you beat them to the 20, you have a flat line. And all you have to beat is maybe the safety's coming behind. So those are hidden yardage. Those are the little things. And that's how you go from good to great. And this Jets team is missing all those key elements. So when you have a lack of talent, you don't have the array of your entire roster. Your you margin have, for error is Right, slim. your margin for error is, is, is short. And, and their margin for error is short. And they're not taking advantage of those little things. And those are little subtle things that, that may seem small, but it can, it can, they, can, they can range big and they can have huge impact on the outcome of the game and the start of field position. Because what happens is if you catch a, somebody wants to sky kick you and, they, and the ball lands on the 15, you catch the ball on the 15, you get 10 yards or you get 15 yards, fall to the 40, one first down, you you're, you're take a shot um, 
uh, field position where you can play the game now because now when you get close to the 40, you get the ball in your first possession over the 40, that's usually take a shot range because the field is so wide open that they can't defend it all because they have to defend the end zones. So it's that nice subtle area that's 12 to 18 yards down there where you can get a guy underneath. And those are the things that the Jets are really lacking in is the situational moments in the game where you have to anticipate. Another example, you know, Arizona's trying to go down to score, Mm -hmm. right, before the half. The last thing you can do with no timeouts is let DeAndre Hopkins get out of bounds. So he can have a huge play. He could have caught that ball on the five-yard line. If you tackle him, then it doesn't matter because it's just just a, a, a stat pad for him. What we used to do, we played red 88. And what red 88 meant that when you're a corner, you you put your back to the sideline. That way, if the guy runs out, if, if somebody else coming across, you tackle him, you're in between out of bounds and him. So, like, if he goes vertical, you're still running with him, but you're on his outside shoulder. You know, what you saw is the kid was too high on Hopkins. Hopkins does what he's supposed to do, catch the ball, get out of bounds, stop the clock, enables uh, ability to set up so they can kick the field goal situational football and you know the Jets have to develop some type of football acumen and I think when things are going bad everything's moving so fast you can't slow down and understand the concept conceptually what's happening to well, you, how you're being attacked well you say that right okay and, and, and look we hear that all the time complimentary football situational football all three phases all that stuff here we know they're shorthanded you talked about guys being asked to do things maybe they're not accustomed to doing. Right. You said Lamar Jackson, up from the practice squad. He played every snap yesterday and going up against probably a future Hall of Fame wide receiver. You know, on the offensive side of the ball. We talked to Jeff Smith last week. Now he's out there again yesterday playing almost every snap at the yeah. wide receiver position. Is this a case of guys maybe not having as much experience as they should being in these game situations on the NFL level to where in a moment's notice that could come back to hurt the team? Well, the thing is what happens is you need the leaders on the team to be more vocal. Right. So like if if I'm Marcus May, if I'm McDonald or McDougal, I always mess it up. Right. McDowell's McDowell's McDonald's, McDougal's yeah, McDonald's, McDougal's McDonald's McDowell's is all the same. McDonald's McDowell's Two all beef patties, special sauce. No, they got the golden arches. I got the golden arts. <laughs> so, 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 so you look at you look at it like that. Right. Those are the guys they have to understand just because, you know, doesn't mean anything. Everybody else has to know. So you need those vocal leaders, and I was known for somebody always talking, right? You talked and, a lot? Uh, just Really? Tad. And half the, half the stuff I said didn't even make sense. <laughs> but I made people listen, right. right? Like, you could watch the screen. It may not be a screen. I might have been right twice the game, twice, and I've said watch the screen. But you're keeping people alert on their right, toes. exactly. So that's what you're saying. You, so you, you're putting them aware. So you have to, you know, if you're a leader of this team, you're a vocal leader of this team, you can't be, uh, be afraid to tell, you know, to tell everybody what you think is going to happen just because it puts their antennas up. Hey, hey, they, you know they got to get out of bounds, right? If you say that in a huddle, then if I'm a corner, if I'm a linebacker, I'm like, man, I just got to make this tackle. So I'm going to start guarding that, right? Be, his head spinning. He's like, man, I He's don't want He's just wanna, making sure probably DeAndre Hopkins I doesn't get by me. I don't worry about by, these ancillary exactly. things. I don't want to get beat deep yep. against DeAndre Hopkins. What he should have been saying is, if DeAndre Hopkins goes deep, it's fine because I got a safety over the top and I'm going to be able to make the tackle and a half is going to be over. So unless he's going to go 80 yards right now, then it don't matter. But what I'm not going to do is let him go and run out of bounds. It's like on third down. I don't want to get beat deep. Well, what about giving him moving the chains? 
Well, there was also, you know, it's funny, penalties, and penalties were a big issue last Thursday night in the game against Denver. They committed all week during practice that we are going to get that fixed. Adam Gay said, you know, we're going to cut down on those things, and by and large, they did. Yesterday, only six penalties for 30 yards, didn't have the personal fouls, but there were a couple that were costly in the sense, remember, on that play, Avery Williamson intercepts the ball. Jets take over. First and goal at the 10. Delay a game on the first play. Joe well, Flacco took ownership of that. He's the veteran. He's the quarterback. But the fact the, that the, you didn't. The, well, the play has to come in, too. But think about, too, though. You didn't get in the end zone. That's why it was costly. You backed yourself up five yards again. Ultimately, they don't score. How about the sequence at the end of whatever quarter that was where there was a, a, a penalty on the defense, so you can't end the quarter yeah, 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 on yeah. the defensive yeah, penalty. Yeah. One untimed down for the Jets. And they had a delay game penalty on them there. So oh, it's them, just yeah. like, you know, at the key situations, you know, you still have those type of mistakes. And, you know, I, I guess that all these things rolled into one contributes as to why you haven't gotten off to the start that everybody would have wanted to. Right. Well, listen, I'm a fan of movies. I'm sure you are too, sure. right? Any given Sunday, right? We fight for that inch. Those inches make the difference mm -hmm. between winning and losing. You know, not, being, not taking proper, te proper technique. Not being disciplined, alignment, assignment, technique, and that's 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 half the battle. It's understanding where you're going to be attacked at. You know, understanding. Yesterday, I thought they did a good job early on in trying to keep Kyler in in the box. Right, you saw that the D lineman wasn't getting up the field. They were pretty much two gapping, you know, so that he wouldn't. You know, if you commit, then you give him a gap because you're rushing four. They have five, so it's five lanes. He picks the one that he can run through, and then you you exploit the defense that way. So, I mean, I feel like they did some good things, but they have to be able to put it together for 60 minutes consistently. And until they start getting better field position, whether it's turnovers, whether it's three out, three and outs, you know, you got to get up the field. Like, for us, uh, when I play, you know, getting a three and out is equivalent to a turnover. Yeah. Because if you kick the field, if you, if you, if you kick the ball, right, and, and you get them from the 20 or inside the 20, you know, you stop them, they don't get a first down, that means they're punting in between the 30 and the 20. They punt the ball, you know, maybe to your 40, maybe to your 30. Your guys get 10 yards. Then now you, you're starting the ball, and you're 20 yards, you know, two first downs from, from scoring position. See, those are the hidden yardage. Those are the little things that you have to do. When we talk about complementary football, that's what we're speaking about, making sure that you're able to flip the field. Because you can, you can have three and out, three and out, three and out, both sides, right? But if you're flipping the field, you're gaining the hidden yardage because your punt returner isn't fair catching. Mm -hmm. He's actually fighting for those another. Those yards matter. Right, he's fighting for 10 yards, and then in turn, they stop it, and they got fair catches, and they punt again. Your guy gets 10 yards. That's 20 yards that you just gained from starter position. One big play. See, those are the things like when you break the game down that way, every player can understand that. But going out and doing it and being able to remember that when you're in the heat of the moment is where this team is struggling. I don't think they think the game enough. They don't think situationally enough because they got so much going on in their head where they're swimming, they're not communicating, they don't know what, what to say with each other. Big, huge play, right? You talk about you know one of the huge plays, Marcus May uh, had the tight end, right? What I recognize is it looks like they were in some form of a sinking 46 look, and you know I'm sure we'll have Marcus May on a little later, which I'm excited to ask mm -hmm. him about. But the blown coverage was to the fact if it's 46, you know, defense, it's 46 singles. Marcus shot into the backfield on that play. Right, but that's why that's what you do. What happens is because what the last thing you want to do, if I have an outside linebacker who's capable of running with a tight end, mm -hmm. and the tight end blocks out and blocks him, then what am I supposed to do as a guy that's, that's covering? Just look at him block you. No, I'm gonna go after call, the quarterback. we call it Frisco, right? So what happens is he blocks you, he buys you. And that allows me to get pressure on the quarterback because I can sit there and say, this is my man. 
what am I going to do if he's blocking you? Just look at him and watch him? No, we have no pressure on the quarterback. So what happens is we call it Frisco. But to do that, not only do you have to ha have that as a rule and as a concept and as a tool that you can use as a player in your tool belt, but you also have to have that as pre-snap communication. Whenever I walked down into a single front, because that was my position, mm -hmm. I was the sink guy. If, if we called it Frisco, so if, whether it was Calvin Pace, Brian Thomas, etc., I would say Frisco, Frisco. As soon as he blocks out, I'm gone, no hesitation. That's the problem. They don't have communication because they're not comfortable with each other. And when you have a lot of new pieces and a lot of people that's not comfortable, the last thing they want to do is be able to do their job. The last thing they, they can't do is open up their vision and say, okay, let's work together because this may be easier for us to work together opposed to you just sitting there and taking your guy, I take my guy. And that's the old saying, when you're thinking too much, then you can't play free and easy. You can't just let your ability take over. And, and that's when you lose the inches. And that's when you're losing it. And we've seen, unfortunately, a lot of that here so far this season. Just lost a mile yesterday, but it's okay. This is Inside the Jets, broadcast from the BetMGM studio. Place your football parlays, props, and futures bets at BetMGM Sports all season long. Let's get a little bit more into yesterday's game with our pal, senior reporter, Eric Allen and former Jet tight end Anthony Becht. Guys? Guys, Anthony, the New York Jets start 0-5 for the first time since 1996, and they had some opportunities to keep this game close, but it became a runaway in the second half, a 30-10 loss to the Arizona Cardinals, another disappointing performance for the green and white. It was. Uh, you know, I, I think this team at spurts today showed some competitive fire, but uh, I think it comes down to, and we, we talked about this in the pregame, is starting fast, especially when you have your backup quarterback who's a veteran, has not played any snaps in a long time, getting him, try, try to get him into the game flow, and you hope that you can build some balance with run and pass. Uh, the Jets decide to come out and immediately try to pass and get him kind of, you know, at least try to get some type of fluency with him and the receivers. Unfortunately, you know, didn't really uh, lead to any first downs, and and when you start fast, you want to try to convert, and, that, and that's what they couldn't do. How deflating is that offensively? Like, you just talked about those opportunities. You're inside the red zone, third and one, nothing. Then fourth and one, nothing. Then the defense actually gets the ball back for you. Neville Hewitt, a pass deflection that Avery Williamson returns all the way to the 10-yard line. And out of those two possessions, you come up with three points. And like you mentioned, one of seven on third down in the first half. And again, 0-2 in the red zone. Yeah, it, it is a little deflating as a player, especially in the circumstance that the Jets are in. I mean, look, they haven't won a game. And they're fighting. You know, you see Le'Veon Bell with the effort and the drive. And, you know, the run game in general was pretty good. It was helped by a little bit of Joe Flacco and his ability to scramble. Yeah. He, he was able to move the chains several times. Uh, you know, when they had good coverage and there were some breakdowns uh, up front, he was able to survive and, and, and move the chains for the Jets, which was good to see. But again, it comes down, like you said, red zone, punching it in, scoring touchdowns, and uh, just one touchdown in this game. And offensively is, is an issue. And defensively, you don't make stops. You need the offense to create something for you, at least field position. And then you have a quarterback that, quite honestly, is, is hard to catch. And that's what the Jets fell into today. Uh, Jameson Crowder. Three consecutive games of 100 yards receiving. He is the guy who got the Jets into the end zone Sunday. On the other side of the ball, you talked about 
the lack of pressure on Kyler Murray. He had a career passing day. And then DeAndre Hopkins, I thought the Jets kept him quiet. And then before you knew it, he took the game over in the second half. And the Cardinals finished with close to 500 yards of total offense. Yeah, you know, really, Murray was just going another option. I mean, Lamar Jackson did a really solid job on Hopkins. Look at those numbers. If you didn't watch the game, you think, man, he torched the Jets. He made two incredible catches in the second half. One double cover with the safety coming over. Ashton Davis was there. Lamar Jackson's right on him. He literally He's catching it on his on his shoulder pad with one arm and then of course the one earlier down the sidelines uh you know he does run by jackson it's a poorly underthrown ball it allows jackson to get closer and he has to catch a ball with a db hanging on him and he's able to do it again just uh you know a lot of offense and really you say get to the quarterback it was strategic most of the time they tried if they didn't try to get to him it was two or three man rush trying to space it out and trying to force the quarterback into a bad throw and they weren't able to do that either. So again, he beat you with his legs, his arm. He was on point today, no disruption. That's a problem if you're going against the quarterback like Kyler Murray. The second quarter of the New York Jets schedule began much like the first quarter ended. The Jets fall to 0-5 at the 30-10 loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Anthony, thanks very much. Thanks a lot, guys. And coming up next here on Inside the Jets, we'll be joined by one of the members of the Green and White who was on the field for yesterday's game against the Arizona Cardinals. This is Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Grasso, Bart Scott, and it's time now for our player guest segment, which is presented by EY, building a better working world. And he's one of the leaders of this defense, his fourth year in Green and White. Pleased to be joined by Marcus May here on Inside the Jets. Marcus, it's Dan Gross and Bart Scott. Thanks for joining us, man. How are you? I'm all right. How you guys doing? Maintaining, maintaining, man. How crazy have this season been? You know, you guys had the scare on Friday, um, you know, and it changes your routine. Now you're going to play an opponent that you didn't prepare for, didn't expect on your schedule in Miami. Just right. explain to everybody just – how fluid you have to be this season and just how unique it is to you and your preparation and trying to get some type of routine? Uh, I mean, you just got to be prepared um, for whatever happens. I mean, each day something, something could pop up, um, especially, you know, the times that we're in right now. Um, so, you know, you got to always be on your toes and be ready for whatever. Now, you I know injuries are just all over the place, man, and some injuries were sustained um, yesterday. And, you know, you have so many new players. How hard is it because of the lack of the preparation with um, the, the unique offseason that you had? Is it for you to have to communicate? I saw you know, on, on one of the short yardage downs, looks like you guys are in some form of 46, where typically you will have like a my way, your way. If the guy blocks you, you buy him. I get the blitz to put pressure on the quarterback. But then you, yeah. it looked like it was a communication issue. How hard is that, the fact that you've had so many injuries that you can't get that verbal and nonverbal communication from your teammates because you just guys haven't been in those situations with each other because it's always a different player? I mean, some of these, some, uh, you know, you normally get a, you know, OTA um, to get, you know, all those things down. Then you get the camp and then you get another run at it. Um, but it's just something that we have to do better. Um, communicate faster, be on the same page. Uh, I mean, like I said, um, there were some things here and there that, that went well, but the things that hurt us were just things of communication. Um, and, you know, we just got to continue to work at it, and, and everybody has to do their job. 
Let's talk about that game a little bit Sunday, Marcus, because you knew during the week that you guys were going to have your hands full trying to slow down that Cardinals offense with Kyler Murray and, of course, those two very, very talented wide receivers. And I thought for the most part, you guys did a pretty good job yesterday, you know, with the exception of a couple of big plays that they ultimately hit on you. What was it like trying to slow those guys down on yesterday's game? Um, I mean, we knew the type of team they were. Uh, we knew that quarterback can use his feet and throw. Um, they went a little no huddle as well. Uh, I mean, I feel like we did a good job here and there. Um, but, but like you said, those two or three plays, um, we let the you know the ball get out um, and the ball go over our heads. Um, you know, we just got to continue to 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 be on the same page on the back end um, because once it gets to that level, um, you know, it's you know it could it could you know get worse. Um, just got to continue to rally, uh, rally around each other um, for the most part. Man, I, I thought you guys had a great uh, you know, point of emphasis this week on making sure that you guys didn't have self-inflicted wounds. You guys only had 30 yards of penalties. You know, how did that attention to detail and, and that emphasis really help you guys to be able to execute that way and play a clean game? Because we always talk about the hidden yardage. And when you're struggling and when you don't have a lot of your players that you expected to be playing with, you got to make sure that you play a clean game. I thought you guys did a great job in cleaning up some of the procedural issues that you guys had the previous week and also the um, you know personal fouls and those type of penalties. Right, yeah, it was an emphasis during the week. I mean, we know that the penalties have been hurting us uh, prior um, so that, you know, we harped on it. Um, you know, we, we did a good job. We, we didn't have too many penalties. Um, probably like one, one I think. Um, so, you know, that was something that we harped on all week. I mean, now it's just, now we got, got that off our radar. Um, just kind of go on to the next thing that we have to correct and just put emphasis on that. Now, how hard is it, you know, you as a leader, but you're accustomed to playing with a multiple of leaders on the field at the same time. And I know sometimes you're probably back there 12, 15 yards, and it's things that you see, but it's not enough time to get it communicated to everybody. Just like understanding, like, situational football. You know, yesterday, Lamar Jackson, fresh off the practice squad, understanding that in a two-minute situation that Hopkins isn't going to try and go deep. He's going to try and get out of bounds, that you've got to play him a little tighter. How do you try and, and, and empower or embolden other people to be more vocal and, and assign, you know, leaders to maybe be able to have those type of communications of the situation that's at hand when you're on the football field? Um, you know, it takes 11 guys uh, communicating. I mean, you know, it's a team It's a team effort. So, you know, the call comes in from the coach to the mic, and he gives it out, then you have to echo it to the next guy. Um, you know, everybody has to talk about situational football um, at that moment. Um, before the ball snap, we have to be prepared for, you know, the situation at hand, uh, you know, Lamar came in, uh, you know, he's on practice squad, rookie, not too many reps, um, you know, just the situation at hand, uh, young guy, but you learn from it uh, and to continue to improve. Marcus, hang tight. We'll be right back with more from Jet Safety. Marcus May right here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Welcome back to Inside the Jets. Dan Grasso, Bart Scott with you. And Inside the Jets, supported by Selective Insurance, be uniquely insured. And we're talking with Jet Safety Marcus May. In your fourth year with the team now, Marcus, do you feel that you've had to maybe up your leadership traits a little bit more this year, given all the new faces, especially on the defense, the younger players, and you're now one of the elder statesmen on this team. How have you become more of a leader, you think, this season? Um, just trying to communicate more. Um, get guys lined up, 
uh, you know, at the same time, you know, trying to get myself, you know, going. Uh, it's been a, it's been it's been it's been a, a, a up and down road, but I mean, for the most part, everybody's been doing a great job. Just continue to push each other. Um, you just got to preach positive uh, positivity here right now. Uh, just continue to rally the guys. I mean, once we get eleven guys uh, communicating everybody doing their jobs at the right time and it, it's there's 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 bright moments there um and i feel like once we get to that point we'll be okay i mean uh, at the end of the day we we, we play a game for a living and, and the joy that you get to go out there and compete rather win or lose you you're, you're living right. a lot of other people's dreams and um you know the, the the good part is that we get to play the sad part is when that game is taken away from you and you know one player that had the game taken away from him yesterday was dak prescott yeah, I don't know yeah. if you saw the injury, but you know you feel for the young man who bet on himself, and probably yeah. now we, me and you both understand it's a business. He's probably lost about forty to fifty million dollars because now the leverage goes back in Jerry Jones' hands. He turned down thirty-four million dollars to sign for a thirty-one million franchise tag, but that's a one-year deal. Like right. when you see things like that, how does that affect you? You're coming up on a on a uh, contract, you know, coming up after this season. And how do, when, when you see things like that, how does your heart feel for like players that put themselves in that situation and they bet on uh, themselves and it goes wrong? Uh, no, it's definitely tough. I mean, you never want to see anybody get hurt. Um, you know, this the the game that we play is 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 high risk for it. Um, you know, you know, prayers go out to him and you know a healthy recovery. But you know, just being in that you know situation. Um, you know, you just got to go out and play. You necessarily can't think about, you know, the off the field stuff. Because, um, you know, once we get in that moment, once we get on that grass, you know, nothing else really matters. But once we step off, you know, you also need that um, security, the the comfort level. Um, so, you know, it's definitely a tough situation. Um, but like I said, the game we play. Um, so, you know, you just got to be prepared. Yeah, well, you know, you know, as, as Dak is getting injured yesterday, a feel-good story and Alex Smith being able to come back after, right. you know, his battle. And a lot of people question why did he come back? He has money. He, he has a long career. But, you know, I, you know my, I, I, I ended my career because of a foot injury. And I know, you know, mentally I wish I could have walked off on my own terms. I think now Alex Smith, whether he plays a year after this or he plays a lot now, has closure right. and peace that, you know, he can walk away and say, you know what, I finished what I started. I walked off the field. I wasn't carried off. You know, right. how did you feel when you saw that story? And, you know, how can you relate to them? Uh, no, that was definitely something good to see, um, you know, dealing with that injury um, and fighting back. I mean, I've been in that situation going on IR, having to get surgery on things, um, having to sit out and just watch. I mean, us being competitors is tough um, to watch and be on the side. So. I definitely commend him for for fighting and pushing to get back. Um, but you know, it's like I said, it's it's the sport we play. I mean, we all love what we do, and that's why we go through it. You know, Marcus, I think the fans are curious to know, like you being a player. You know, yesterday, for example, it's a home game, so you don't have to travel by plane or anything, and it's a one o'clock. It's early. You know, what's your routine like when the game is over? Do you go home and watch football at all later in the afternoon into the night, or are you just kind of shut your mind out completely for football? What's it like for you after these one o'clock home games? Uh, I mean, everybody's a little different. Um, for me, uh, you know, I, I, I get home. Um, I unwind for for about an hour or so. Um, 
turn on the TV, watch it, watch the games coming on. And then I hop into the film um, of that game, uh, just go over my mistakes, go over the things that, that I need to correct um, before I get into the meetings with the coaches. Um, so, you know, it's a little different for everybody having that time um, to be able to to unwind and, and watch games, but also, you know, hop right into the film from that game. You know, it's crazy. And you know, it's crazy, right? Because we're in like, uh, we're in like sports nirvana, right? We got basketball championship on Sunday. We got uh, Astros baseball. We got Sunday night football. Mm-hmm. What did you decide to watch yesterday? Did you did you watch LeBrick? I mean, LeBron play <laughs> win a championship, or, or did you watch football? Uh, no, nah, I watched both. Uh, and then once the uh, I think once that Cowboys game went off. Um, it was all Lakers, uh, all LeBron James. I was on the edge of my seat watching that. Oh, man. It, it game was... wasn't much of a game. I don't think you have to be on the edge of your seat watching that. Yeah, definitely not. That one was over before it well, even started, though. Well, I just, well, I think it just speaks to the power of the NFL, the fact that we have right. a championship game, a guy that's about to be crowned and move up into rarefied air with four championships. And I found mm-hmm. myself watching football because it was more interesting. Right. Yeah, know, understanding definitely. Yeah. Yeah, watch definitely watch more of the football games. Um, that I, I think I turned it on like halfway into the first quarter. Um, but yeah, it was definitely definitely watching the football games till those over with. Now tell me this: did did the change of schedule is that messing up your bi week plans? Did you already pre have bi week plans going on? Like you know, changing the schedule can can, can affect a lot of people. You know, who's already you know plan. I know we're in a pandemic, so a lot right. not not a lot of traveling going on. But now you have to mentally adjust to go on and plan some games that you didn't expect to play and then mm-hmm. worrying about trying to get your body right and get your mind right more importantly. Uh, yeah, and no, I was definitely a curveball um, hearing how they changed the schedule. Um, we were supposed to be out West and now, you know, we gotta, we gotta uh, switch our minds and get ready for another division game um, and travel, you know, down to Florida. Um, so, you know, it was definitely something that we, we didn't expect coming from after the game. Uh, but you know, it's next next opponent, um, familiar opponent. So you know, we got to be prepared and just got to get on top of those guys starting today. Well, speaking of Florida, you know that's home for you, of course. And I know that you're really involved in the community down there. You have your charity. I'm curious, you know, how has that part of your life been impacted by the pandemic? How have you been able to adjust and maybe do some different things because you haven't had as much probably time to do hands-on type of activities and events that you're usually accustomed to with your charity. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, definitely took. Definitely took. A, uh, had us to take a step off uh, for the pandemic. Um, not being able to to get out in the community, into the community, and do work with the kids and different organizations, stuff like that. So now a lot of things are just behind the scenes. Um, just getting things planned. Um, so you know, for when you know the world slowly opens back up, you know, we can get back into the community and and get hands on. Well, keep up the great work with that. We know you're outstanding when it comes to giving back to where you came from. And, Marcus, thanks for joining us, man. Really appreciate it, as always. And uh, best of luck coming up next week against Miami and the rest of the season. Thanks again. Yeah, appreciate you guys. All right, that's Jets safety Marcus May. And when we return here on Inside the Jets, we'll go around the NFL and talk about some of the other things that happened in week number five. It's Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Grasso alongside my pal Bart Scott. And remember, Jets fans, you can watch Inside the Jets through the Jets app, presented by BetMGM. Go to the App Store or Google Play 
right now when he could search official New York Jets. You know, we talked about it, Bart, a little bit with, with Marcus when we had him on. Um, okay. What the hell just happened? No, the, the remote fell. Oh, my, mine? No, no, right here. I thought you go. I thought you were going to muscle through it, Oh, man. the remote fell. Yeah, I thought you were going to muscle through it, man. I thought it was I, I on I was going to make it part of the show and laugh. Oh. Oh, man. <laughs> never, never break, man. It's part of the stick. I thought for TV it wouldn't be good. What? Oh. Matt, I'll start it over. All I'm right. out of control. You're the out remote of control. fell. The remote fell. Okay, here we go. Welcome back to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Dan Grasso alongside my pal Bart Scott. Remember, Jet fans, you can watch Inside the Jets through the Jets app, presented by BetMGM. Go to the App Store or Google Play right now and search official New York Jets. We talked about it a little bit when we had Marcus on. Uh, you brought it up with Dak Prescott and that injury yesterday in their win against the New York Giants. I mean, you hate to see something like that. Your heart goes out to him. Thankfully, at the end of the night, you know, he made it out of surgery okay. I saw some pictures and whatnot on social media. He was in good spirits. So everything was going okay there. But, look, you played the game, and you know that on any given play, something like that could happen. Just that's the, you know, the perils of playing pro football. Well, it's tough, right? And any given play can be your last, your last play. Right. You know I mean, you, you think about Joe Theismann and what that was like back then when we, we didn't have the technology to be able to get him back in the end of his career. Um, you think about, you know, I think about, you know, my teammate Musa Smith, which had a, you know, an injury like that. He was one of the victims of Roy uh, Williams, um, you know, from the horse collar tackle. Yep. He got Terrell Owens as well. Um, that leg gets caught. Forget yeah, it. Exactly, and that's what happened. You saw, you saw Logan Ryan drop his body weight from the side, which puts all that weight on that one joint, which lifts up, and and, and those joints just can't handle the, that type of stress. You know, um, for, for Jet fans around here, they remember that happened to Leon Washington when we played the Oakland Raiders. I Out believe, there, in yeah. Right, and, and he has that same compound fracture. That's why, you know, it's always tough when you hear fans criticize a player for holding out for more money because he's trying to get that security so that he can feel emboldened and empowered so that he can go out there and, and say, I know what I'm risking, but at least it's worth it. And Dak Prescott, you know, was betting on himself. And unfortunately, sometimes for every Joe Flacco there is in the world that bets on himself, wins a divisional championship, goes to the Super Bowl, becomes the MVP, not a right. divisional champion. I'm sorry, they were a wild card that year. But wins a championship and cash that, that Willy Wonka golden ticket. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Dak Prescott. You know, it's other players that have, you know, rolled the dice like that and, and, and injured themselves. And that's the game we play. That's the business part of it. And now Jerry Jones has a decision to make because now he has leverage. And I had Mark Sanchez on my show, and he was saying the business aspect of it is that, you know, once you take the emotions out, this is a good thing for Dallas because, you know, they can offer Dak potentially less, and now they can afford to be able to pay pieces around him. As you right. see that, that once – vaunted tremendous you know wall you know great wall is gone on the tyron offensive smith, line yeah. yeah tyron smith no travis frederick you know lionel collins injured today i mean injured and, and went on ir no and so like those are the decisions that go into trying to be a good team because all for all of Dak's greatness they still you know should have at least one more loss on their record when you think about they got lucky the atlanta, the atlanta falcons, the atlanta falcons. Well, and, and so that's those are the decisions that you have to make you feel bad for dak and everything that you said is spot on here when it comes to the contract and you hope the cowboys are going to do right by him jerry jones put out a statement hopefully they're going to do you know what yeah. he has coming to him yeah, football but, yeah. side though football side yeah for the rest of 2020 they brought in andy dalton this guy's been around this guy's won he's yeah. taken teams to the playoffs 
NFC East leaves a lot to be desired. I still yeah. think the Cowboys are going to be in good shape at least to get to the postseason with Andy Dalton. Well, I like the fight in um, the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, I think they went on, they went head-to-head with a much better opponent yesterday. Like, both teams squeaked out a win, right? Or well, But then Philly we've lost. seen Philly look so bad, though, against teams that are inferior. So you don't know which team is going to show but up. That, that's the problem. That's, that's not an ability problem, right? That's a consistency problem. They have the ability to play at that level. Now, do they have? Do they play down to their competition? Do they play up to their competition? At least I know they can play up to their competition. As far as the Dallas Cowboys, I don't know if I've seen worse defense in football. I mean, watching – There's a couple. Between, and, and, and that's the crazy part, right? Because – Defenses usually are ahead of offenses when offense. That's how we said it was going to be, right? This season, especially, no preseason, the defense was going to be ahead of the right, offense. That's been the case because you can put more in. Right. I've never seen outside of the Buffalo Bills, outside of maybe uh, the Ravens and the Steelers, and sometimes the Saints and the Buccaneers. I don't believe in none of these defenses. I mean, I'm talking about they can as well give up ten points or give up fifty. And, like, this is amazing that, that that's the case. Well, and going back to Dak Prescott and their defense, you know, even if they get in with that offense and that defense, I don't see them being able to last outside of whatever round. No, that something's got to change. Whatever round that they make it in. And, like, I know Mike Nolan. Mike Nolan's my first um, defensive uh, coordinator. But, I mean, when you hear guys saying, I can't go 100% uh, for 70 plays, I'm like, you can't? Yeah. And that's coming from one of your leaders or one of your veterans. And they still, after he said that and knowing the spotlight was going to be on them, that's the type of performance they put up against the New York Giants, a team that hadn't scored a touchdown in three weeks, and they went down to the wire. I mean, Dak Prescott, we hope that Jerry Jones do the right thing, but come on, man. Like, this is business, and he didn't make all that money in oil because he, he cared about business. He was able to, to, to have Dak Prescott step over Tony Romo's uh, cold, chalky body, right, when that happened, right? So, I mean, you look out there, like, if, you're, if that $34 million is still out there and you don't want to give it to Dak because you don't know who he is, well, Cam Newton's going to be available next year. And Cam Newton now, you talk about injury concerns about Cam Newton, now you have injury concern about Dak Prescott to see, yeah, it's a four, four to six-week uh, month rehab, but then we don't know what that looks like as far as him trusting the leg, being able to run. Well, you know you can get Cam, and Cam, because Cam's already cashed in his ticket once, may say, you know what, for the opportunity no, to play with these weapons – I'll play for $34 million because I've already got a $100 million contract that I've already taken. So I'll take this one. Give me That's three, if New England lets him go. Belichick could franchise him, too, at the end of the year just because he wants to keep his quarterback oh, even oh, for one season. W- w- when has Bill Belichick franchised anybody at this point next year? Maybe Action Jackson is going to take it up even more. So you think Bill Belichick is going to franchise Cam Newton for at this point, if it's $31 million this year. He franchised his ne- – uh, ne- Next year is going to be – yeah, his guard. His guard. Yeah, yeah but that's a big difference. Joe Thune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you think about Cam the, – the franchise tag probably next year is going to be – It's about 40 mil. Right, 40 mil. For 37, 38, something like that. But, yeah, I mean, look, that's, that's the premium of a quarterback in the National Football League. It'll be interesting, but at least, look, if it's not going to be in Dallas – and he rehabs how you would think, and he's back to being himself, there's going to be a place for Dak Prescott in the NFL yeah, to be a yeah. starting quarterback. And he'll get paid. If he goes out there and produces, somebody's going to take care yeah. of him. But you just hate to see what you saw yesterday, no doubt. Last night, you talk about defenses. Seahawks are 5-0. and No thanks to the defense. They, they can't stop defense, a running nose. <laughs> but they got the quarterback, and he's making magic. And as long as there's still timeout on that clock, and we saw it again last night, he got the ball in his hands. Good yeah. things happen, and that's what happened. 
I mean, right now, nobody's playing better than Russell Wilson, but I tell you what, that rent's going to be due eventually. That defense is going to have to step up, going to have to play you know, better. Giving up over 400 yards a game isn't, isn't a recipe for success. I think if you go over and you look at the Kansas City Chiefs who took that L and took it on the chin yesterday, they'll tell you, hey, a great quarterback can only hide and mask That's a good you know, point. the stench and the odor of this defense for so long because if it's one play, if the other team gets up by two scores and you know somebody drops the ball, you can lose because you look at what happened is the Kansas City Chiefs got pounded. And, like, Bobby Wagner's getting aging before my eyes. I feel like every quarter he looks a little bit slower. You saw him go underneath that block and saw a cook run right by him. That's not what I'm used to seeing from Bobby Wagner. Yeah, he's, he's, I'm used to seeing him push that, that lineman in the hole, arm over, make that tackle. And, you know, like I said before, like they're the Legion with no boom. Like, you know, even with Jamal there, they haven't been performing at a high level. So, Well, he, they, remember, they turned the identity over to that football team to Russell Wilson right. years ago. But right. now it's just steadily on the other side of the ball. It's almost right. just continually it's, getting worse and worse It's and like worse. negligent, right? Before it was like the offense, like how does Russell Wilson throw into these horrible weapons? He's right. going to be a franchise quarterback, and all the talent was on the defense. Now it's like that, that defense talent is optional. I mean, you got Griffin. He's okay. Bobby Wagner is going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's at the, you know, he's got a lot of miles on him. He's in year nine, year 10. We start seeing that, whether it was DeVar Bowman, whether it was Patrick Willis, you start to slow down a little bit, and you may not notice it, but everybody else can notice it because you don't make those same splash impact plays. They have absolutely zero, zero. pass rush that they had to move K.J. Wright to outside linebacker to try and make him like some type of blitzing type of defense. Well, and the problem, too, is, is because you're paying your quarterback a ton of money, right? He's not on that rookie that, deal and, anymore and like that, he was when they won and, the Super Bowl. And Well, this is the second deal like that, but his first one wasn't top of the market. This, now this the is The third one is top of the market, Mountain. right. So now that's the same issue, the same things that Dallas is going to have to ask themselves. If we give Dak this $40 million, then we almost have to, have to, whether he wants to play again next year or not, cut Tyron Smith because we can't have $100 million over there, $100 million in our tailback, and uh, $150 or $200 million in our quarterback, and our defense is horrible. You like, got Tank Lawrence. You paid him, but still got a lot more to do here. Exciting week, though. I tell you what. It was an NFL, exciting week. It was exciting. I mean, it was full of uncertainty. We have a and how about Monday night game this week, a Tuesday night game this Monday week. night, Tuesday night. And, I mean, that's the way of the world in 2020. But one other game we should hit on because it applies to the Jets here, and that's their next opponent when the schedule got changed. Dolphins go out to Santa Clara, and they just absolutely beat up <laughs> on the Niners. I thought Marino was a quarterback again yesterday for the <laughs> Dolphins when they were putting up points. Wait, no fish magic? That's our buddy Fitz. That's what he does. Fish magic? Let's hope that he's in his fish tragic mode because he can be fish magic or he can be fish tragic. You know, the thing about uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and what I've always known from being an opponent of his, he's too smart for his own good. So you you can out-trick him because you know his preparation is going to be key. You know he's going to be he's going to be aware of what you're doing. So he predetermines where he's throwing the ball before he throws it. Right. So you give him certain looks and you just sit and jump stuff because he'll throw you one. He may have a big play, but if you sit and you jump stuff, trust your eyes, he'll hit you right in the chest. And I give him credit. I give him credit because here we are, you know, we're five games in. And if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, by week five, week six, I would have thought for sure they would have turned the reins over to Tua Tunga Vailoa. But he's played well enough. He's kept yeah. them in the games. And you know what? Like you said, he players believe in him. 
Yeah. Right? I mean, we saw it here. See it in a lot of stops. They have belief when he steps in the huddle that he's going to find a way to be able to give them a shot to win a football game. Well, he earns it. He earns their trust because he's one tough son of a gun. He's. I mean, I used to call him evolution when I used to see him because I, I knew he went to Harvard. I told him he had the frontal lobe. He was next generation man. And I remember like Ocho Cinco and Chad, <laughs> who's Mazzotti, like, man, come on, man, leave him alone, bro. Like, man, you can tell me what I'm thinking, don't you? But I tell you what, he uses that thing as a weapon. He, he's not afraid to dive head first. And whenever you do that, it, you know, you think about your teammates, they love you for that because you're not saying, hey, I'm the quarterback, put me in bubble wrap. He's been put himself at risk for his teammates. We'll see Fitz next week. Bart, we'll see you Fitz next tragic, week. tragic, I hope. Jets-Dolphins, we'll see you on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. I'm Dan Grassa. He's Bart Scott. So long, everybody.